This is the Front Page Podcast from the Red and Black. I'm Alex Antioch, bringing you our March 31st Trans Day of Visibility Special Edition episode. We'll be joined by Juliana Washburn to talk about her article on Transgender Day of Visibility, a day of celebration, reflection, and protest for the LGBT community. Support for this podcast is provided by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. For more information, visit grady.uga.edu slash Cox Institute. Hi, Jules. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah. So what is Transgender Day of Visibility and how is it distinct from Transgender Day of Remembrance? So Transgender Day of Visibility is basically a day dedicated to celebrating those in the transgender community that are currently and presently in the community. Transgender Day of Remembrance is a day in mourning of those who've lost their lives to anti-transgender violence. And the really cool thing about Transgender Day Visibility is it started in 2009 by a transgender activist named Rachel Crandall. Um, She started the day because she realized that the only internationally recognized day for the transgender community was Transgender Day of Remembrance. And while it's incredibly important, the people who were presently living um, in the transgender community weren't really being celebrated or recognized, didn't have that international um, recognition. So they created this day um, and it It's really important to the community, I think, because it's about not only celebrating their lives, but also bringing awareness to those outside of the transgender community. I think to me, having this like day set aside of the month just to say trans people exist, they're part of the fabric of society. Mm-hmm. And like that's not going to go away or change. Mm-hmm. That that means a lot to me just to have this, this big public recognition, yeah. finally. Casey Joke, English education major. How to recognize them, how to appropriately address people um, based on their pronouns. And um, so it's not only a celebration, but it's also a day that is really big for education in and out of the transgender community. Yeah, and what are the people you spoke with doing to commemorate this day? So that was really interesting. When I was working on the article, I was really confused at first because I researched and there were no events happening around the day that I could really see. So when I first started talking to people, I realized they're not necessarily going to events. It's not, that's not really what the day's about. I really realized it was about self-reflection. It was about self-affirmation, educating others around them, um, and really just celebrating themselves in their own ways. Now, there is a pride prom happening on the day of Transgender Day of Visibility that some people I talk to are attending, but in general, I think it's really just a day of private self-reflection, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and in your article, you mention how some people view Trans Day of Visibility this year in particular as a year more of protest than of celebration. Why is this? Yes. So basically this past year um, and the past couple months actually have been 
it's been the most anti-transgender legislation that's been put in place or been attempted to put in place, I think, in history. So, and I might be wrong on that, but I know that in the past couple months, there have been extreme um, movements to push some anti-transgender legislation. And so one of the people I talked to, Clint Bennett, they said this year for them felt more like a protest because of this legislation. And that's because they feel as if, you know, they can't really celebrate the day because of what is happening in the world and what is happening that causes people in the transgender community to not really be able to fully live in their identities. It's a little scary, you know, right? Um, especially for someone like me who's who's recently out and has really just kind of started this process. Um, there definitely is a certain level of like, okay, like, you know, definitely feeling that, that Georgia could be next and what does that mean, um, you know, for, for the future of the, the trans community, but also like my future specifically definitely does feel um, a little bit, a little bit more uncertain than it did a couple months ago. And you know, this is happening with the uh, the "Don't Say Gay" bill, which it's been dubbed as the "Don't Say Gay" bill. Um, and what's happening with Governor Greg Abbott in Texas, where he is trying to mm, deem parents, uh, c- trying to accuse parents of sort of. It can be deemed as child abuse uh, to allow your youth to have gender affirming procedures, and um, you know, and what's happening in Georgia with the with the um, Save Girl Sports bill that was passed um, in the Georgia Senate. Um, so that was that was very big, a big topic for us talking about. That there is a debate around that. It sort of signals to me that both you know the establishment is still pushing back against rights for trans people, but that it didn't just, you know, pass automatically, you know, that there is this debate and conversation. It's in the public eye that there are trans people and allies to trans people Mm. fighting against it still. And even if it's frustrating to see that that fight has to be done, that it's happening at all is somewhat encouraging. (laughs) Yeah, there was also um, a copycat bill from uh, based on Florida's Don't Say Gay bill that was introduced in legislation that's um, expected to influence some of the election races later this year. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of curious, what do the members of the trans community that you spoke with wish that cis people knew about today? So I think... I have to think about this one for a second. I think a couple of things. Um, one person I talked to said that they really wish the cis community would just ask questions and that they wish the cis community would know that the, that the transgender community, there are people who want to answer those questions and that they he even said this is something that the transgender community could even be better at is, you know, letting people know that they are open to answer questions. So that was one thing. And then I also heard uh, one of the people I talked to said they hoped that the cis community would educate themselves and also be allies to the transgender community. And there are many ways that they mentioned. I think the biggest thing that other communities 
can do is always highlight, um, you know, highlight trans people, highlight trans activists, highlight trans, you know, artists and writers and creatives, um, and always highlight, um, you know, trans organizations that are working to better the community um, and, you know, really donating, especially right now with all the anti-trans legislation. Like the biggest thing is that, you know, people, people are scared um, and, you know, people need money to, to fight these things. It could be through asking questions. It could be through listening and it could be through respecting somebody when they tell you their pronouns um, and, you know, making mistakes, but also being open to learning from those mistakes and be open to just learning in general. Yeah. And do the trans students at UGA who you spoke with feel supported both by the university and in Athens as a whole? I got a couple of, I got some mixed answers, but um, one of the biggest things I will take away from this article is hearing from one of the people I talked to that began their transition in, I think it was October of 2021, but their process was made a lot harder by uh, UGA. I guess probably the biggest thing is I wish UGA would do better or do more for their trans students. Um that's probably been the most frustrating thing in my transition so far. Um, but honestly, I'm, I'm really excited about trans student visibility, um, and I'm very optimistic um, about the future. So uh, just very quickly, what, or, what are some things you think that UGA could do better? Um, I think definitely um, more resources and highlighting the resources that they have. Um, you know, the Pride Center is fantastic, but they are always, you know, kind of stretched thin in terms of staff and funding. Yeah. Um, and just making it way clearer, like the resources that are available to trans students, um, making the new change process more doable and less um, less of a hassle. And um I guess just really like acknowledging um, the transgender population at UGO, UGA overall. It was um, hard in terms of what they, um, quote unquote, the bureaucracy at UGA. So I'm going to be looking into what that might mean and why it might have been hard. And if this is also hard on other students who are trying to transition, um, if it's made harder by the school. But, you know, they also told me that they have some amazing people here at UGA and in the Athens community that have supported them in their transition and that have really been there for them. I think being in Athens and just being a young person growing into my identity, I guess, in this moment, um, I think this is a good place to do it, that for as many weird looks as you might get or pushback from people who don't agree with your identity, mm-hmm. um, there seems to be just as many people who keep it to themselves or actively support you. Um, and that it makes it a little easier just to be confident in who you are and not care about the people who will judge you for it. Um, and then I had somebody say, you know, the transgender community and Atlanta community has been a lot more supportive than Athens. But I also had someone say that Athens has been more welcoming than they ever thought Um it would be, um, and that, you know, they find community in group chats or clubs, and while we could always be doing better, there is a sort of community here that is supporting the transgender community. And what do you think is the 
biggest thing people should take away from your article? I think the best thing you can do while reading this article is really look into the quotes, look into what the people I talk to are saying, because I think the general public, whether you know, you're educated on the transgender community or not, which I think a big chunk of any community isn't really educated enough and could always learn more. And through what the people I talk to are saying, you really start to see how important acceptance is and how important it is to listen. And, you know, in this case, read what other people are thinking, what they're saying. And I think that can make a really big difference on how people go forward in accepting the transgender community and uh, learning more about that community. To me, I think also as I've gotten older, I find it more and more important to be visible and not to just say, my goal is to be passing as a cis man, that I want to be out and, and people to know that I'm trans and not going to conform to that binary. Because I think that's really encouraging to other people who are earlier along in their journey or later on in their journey to see that, you know, people are out there, they're being themselves. And I feel especially as I get even older as an adult, um, to be a role model to younger children. Um, because I, I want to be a teacher as a profession. So to, able to be there and just be representative of the fact that you can be trans and be a successful adult Mm -hmm. that like there is a future in that identity this has been the front page the front page is a production of the red and black publishing company you can find the stories discussed in this episode in the paper edition or on our website at redandblack.com. Make sure to download our app, keep up with us on social media, and check out our new health podcast, The Athens Frontline, hosted by health editor Simran Kaur Maholtra. We hope to see you next week.